The following audio is from Lifehouse Church. We hope you are blessed by this message and encourage you to connect with us on social media or at lifehousechurch.org. My name is Naomi. I'm a grateful recovering addict. You know, I never aspired to be an addict or never thought I would be, but that's what it turns into. It started out experimenting with drugs, alcohol, marijuana. And, you know, when you're in an experimentation phase, there's really no consequences to it, so you think it's okay to keep doing it. Well, when you keep doing it, then the brain needs more. The more you do more, then your body becomes dependent on it, and then you plateau at addiction. By the age of, like, 14, um, I was then doing inhalants, cocaine, hallucinogens. By the age of 21, I was being prescribed opiates and benzos. Eventually, the pills didn't become enough. I was in a very violent and abusive, emotionally and physically, um, relationship. I compromised the person I was to live for somebody else. I let him mold me into the person that he wanted me to be. I was not myself, and because of that, I started to resent myself and hate myself, and I couldn't recognize the person that I was, so I wanted to escape. I got out of that relationship, and um, I was doing things on a daily basis. I was involved in criminal activity on a daily basis, doing things to support my habit, and because of those things, I got put on probation. You know, I had tried rehab first to appease my ex, and then I did it because I was told to by my parole, my probation officer. Um, so it was never truly a choice that I had made. It was because I was told to do so. Well, after that, I started shooting heroin, and I was getting car fentanyl. And um, I became homeless. I was living on the streets. At this point, I thought I had no reason to live. Um, I thought death was way better because the suffering that I was going through um, seemed so much more difficult and that death would be the easy way out. My last overdose, um, I was completely coherent to everything that was going on. Like, at first I could feel my heart slowing down and then I couldn't breathe. I felt like I was suffocating. And I'm telling my brain, like, to tell my body, like, please, heart, beat. Don't stop breathing. And I was petrified. I, I always believed in God. However, I felt like I was not worthy of his love because I was such a disgrace. But at that moment, I was like, please, God, I don't want to die. Please save me. How are you killing the pain that comes from the hurt that you've experienced in life? I want to keep it personal for a moment. How are you killing the pain that you're feeling. Because the reality is that what Naomi just described was not just her challenge or the challenge of someone who becomes addicted to drugs, but it's a challenge every one of us face. The reality is that you're gonna experience pain and we all self-medicate pain with something. We use it to make us feel better, to numb the pain, to cover the pain or to move on from the pain. And some approaches are healthier and more socially accepted than others. And, you know, we've been talking about the addictions crisis in our city and in this region now for about five years. 
And so certainly someone could ask, well, man, are things getting any better? I mean, we're for our city. Are we making progress? And, you know, before the pandemic, I would have said, yeah, I mean, we're, we're seeing things changing. And then the pandemic hit. And now even two and a half years later, we're seeing the ripple effects in a profound way of the crisis that the pandemic brought on. Because what happened was uh, it exacerbated the addictions crisis and the opioid epidemic because here's what happened, right? And, you, and I don't need to explain it. You all know it, but it does require us to restate it. Through the pandemic, as people's lives were being shut down, what happened was, for all of us, healthy coping mechanisms were stripped away. So people no longer could go to the gym. And then as things reopened, many people didn't go back to the gym because they had developed new habits. They were, they were going to work every day. And then when work reopened, some people didn't go back to work. Others started working from home, which meant they were isolated from coworkers. And so people were replacing healthy coping mechanisms with less healthy coping mechanisms. You know, I'm not saying working from home is unhealthy, but you know, people were no longer going to the gym. They were changing how they ate. They were no longer gathering in a support group or gathering in the church. And so people were cut off from healthy things and then didn't often recover when they got back. And now two and a half years later, um, we see the ripple effect of that specifically in the area of addictions where to, um, the last two years, uh, the U.S. crossed the threshold of having at least 100,000 overdose deaths, 71,000 of those directly related to fentanyl. Why? Because it's about a 20 times more potent than heroin, and you could put it in nearly anything, in a gummy, lace it on a, something that looks like a sweet tart. Uh, and so... Uh, People are getting, are getting this stuff, and this stuff is getting mixed into uh, these drugs, and it's killing people in a, at an incredible uh, level. 300 people a day in the U.S. are dying from a drug overdose, and that doesn't include all the people that are being impacted uh, who, are, who are ODing, but then getting Narcan, so they're recovering. So meaning we're seeing more people recovering from overdoses than ever before, and we're still having a skyrocketing level of overdose deaths. Um, so the, the, year, you know, the year 2000, overdose deaths increased 38% compared to 2019. In 2021, it went up to 52% compared to 2019, and we're trending the same direction this year. So that should at least make you go, wait, something is wrong, and, it, and it's even more critical in this region where we become a target to drug trafficking because we have the two major interstates of 70 and 81. You already know this, but that makes us an easy stop and an easy base for drug traffickers to work out of, and that means an influx of lethal drugs on our streets. So now I could just stop, we could all put our head down and be like, things are really bad, right? The challenge, the, another challenge is that that's not just statistics, right? It's, it's not just information I'm relaying, it's stories of people we know personally, of people that we care about. I mean, probably most of you know somebody who has OD'd. Many of you, unfortunately, know somebody who has uh, died of an overdose. So it's personal, right? Like these are our friends, our neighbors, our classmates, our colleagues, people who come to our church and gather in our community, people we love. And so it's not just a they problem, it's a we problem and a me problem now. And so what do we do about it? Well, let's take it a step further. It's not something just that we do about it to fix someone else. I think the, the key is that we all raise our hand and say, yeah, I'm prone to this too, right? Because we all self-medicate. 
And when you self-medicate pain that you can't deal with, you get trapped in whatever you use to self-medicate. And so some of you have leaned into anger as a way to deal with your pain. Others, you're using sex or some other you know, expression of lust to work through that pain. Others, you've leaned into drugs or alcohol. Some, you're using a relationship or you're just working, just working yourself to death, hoping that if you accomplish something, it'll make you feel better. So how do we make a difference in feeling better, treating the pain, but also making a difference in our city? Because that sounds like a big ask. Ask. <sighs> Thank you. Every once in a while, I feel like I have to clarify sometimes things I say around here. Um, I want somebody streaming that and then cutting that and editing it, if you do. All right. <laughs> Sorry, I had to lighten the mood anyway. Uh, I want to introduce you to Dr. Luke. Uh, he was a physician who had studied his life, you know, studied and then became a doctor and was treating people and recognized the limit to his ability to treat people. And when he met Christians, he became attracted that they had something different than he could offer. And so he began to investigate the life and teachings of Jesus and became persuaded that Jesus is who he said he was. And so he became a follower of Jesus and he became part of the church. And he wrote a two volume set about the life teachings of Jesus and the early church. They're included in the Bible called the Gospel of Luke. So the story of the life and teachings of Jesus from his investigation and the book of Acts, which is an account of the history of the early church. Luke wrote from a perspective of a doctor examining how Jesus lived and did what he did and then died to rescue people. And Luke includes this account of Jesus after he was baptized, he's beginning his ministry. He goes out into the wilderness where he spends some time in prayer. And once he finishes his 40 days of praying, he comes back and he begins to preach in the countrysides, in the villages. And then he comes home to Nazareth where he's gonna, for the first time, he's gonna introduce his mission and his ministry. And so he goes into this synagogue on the Sabbath like he normally would do when he was younger. And when he comes in, you know, people greet him and the, um, the, the presiding rabbi says, hey, Jesus, why don't we have you speak later in the, in the service? And so they did. They invited him up. They handed him the scroll of Isaiah. He opened it up and he found the place where it's written in Isaiah, what, what you would see in Isaiah 61. And he opens it and he reads this, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners. And after he finishes reading it, he says, today, this passage is fulfilled in your hearing. I am the fulfillment of that passage and that promise. You're waiting for the anointed one, the chosen one, the Messiah to come and rescue you and bring freedom to those in prison. I am that freedom. And then Jesus leaves Nazareth and he goes down to Capernaum where he goes into a synagogue and he's, again, he's preaching and teaching. And it says this about the crowds of people hearing him in verse 32. They were amazed at his teaching because his words had authority. There was something supernatural and powerful about when Jesus spoke, more was happening than just Jesus speaking. Lives were being changed. People were being impacted supernaturally and spiritually. 
And that matters because of the very next moment. In the synagogue, there was a man possessed by a demon, an impure spirit. He cried out at the top of his voice, go away, what do you want with us? Jesus of Nazareth, have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, Jesus said to him sternly. Come out of him. Then the demon threw the man down before them all and came out without injuring him. And all the people were amazed and said to each other, what words these are. With authority and power, he gives orders to impure spirits and they come out. The news about him spread throughout the surrounding area. What you notice is that Jesus fulfills what he had just read. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. And that, that poverty is not necessarily financial, but about the fact that when we recognize that we are spiritually bankrupt, that we have nothing to offer, then we're ready to receive the good news of the riches of heaven. If you think you've got it all together and you think you're rich, inside, then you're not going to receive the riches of heaven. But when you acknowledge your poverty, the spiritual bankruptcy in your life, then you're receptive to the good news of God's love. And then Jesus continued, and he, he, this moment is a demonstration, the fulfillment of that, to set, to give freedom to the prisoners. And then here's a man that he meets who's in a prison cell. He's captive spiritually. There's something spiritual going on inside of him. There's demons living in this guy. And Jesus, there's no battle. There's no fight. He just says, come out of him. And the man is immediately freed from whatever's occupying his life. And this man's life is radically changed. But there's a principle here. And that is that whatever has you trapped whatever is controlling you that you wish you were in control of or you thought you were in control of until you realize your life is out of control in that area. Whatever that is, you can find freedom through faith in Jesus. In fact, you have authority in Jesus to live free. I hope you hear that. For every one of us, there is something that you're looking to receive freedom from. In fact, how would you complete the statement? I want to be free from what? In your life, this is personal. I wanna be free from. You have authority in Jesus to live free, but we have to acknowledge how we get trapped. You ever wonder, maybe you haven't wondered, maybe you don't know the statistics, why the vast majority of rehabs and treatment centers don't work. When people go into a, a detox program, why when they get out, they're very likely to end up right back in the same condition that got them in the program. Why most people who go through a treatment and, and, and program, they don't recover. Well, we heard it in Naomi's story, right? Like she ends up in and out of rehab because one, she was forced to do it or somebody else told her to do it. But Here's why, because the vast majority of the time, the reason why treatment doesn't work for you, the reason why no matter how hard you try, you can't get yourself out of the trap is because we're treating symptoms. Treatment centers are treating the symptoms because addiction is the symptom. It's the fruit that comes from a much deeper root. Now you might call that root pain, 
The challenge is that we don't have solutions for pain. And where does our real pain come from? Because you can't remember a time when you didn't feel pain. Now, you might have a critical moment in your childhood or your young adult years, or maybe when you became adult, that became exceptionally painful. But for as long as anybody can remember, there's been pain in your life. And so at the core, it's not just a pain problem. It's the source of pain. Ah, so now we're getting under the surface. We're saying, okay, what is the real source of pain? Because the real source of pain comes from a spiritual crisis called sin. That you and I were born against God. Spiritually trapped. And everything else in our life that causes pain is fruit from the root of a spiritual trap that you and I were born into. We were set up, trapped, stuck, destined for a forever without God. That's the crisis, is there's a spiritual root problem. And Jesus came and said, I have come to proclaim freedom for the prisoners. And the real prison he was talking about, he was saying, it's not just the emotional prison or the mind prison that you're trapped in, the way you're thinking. It's not just the addictions or the lifestyle behaviors that have you trapped. At the core, you, you and I are in a spiritual prison He said, I've come to set you free from that prison. So Jesus comes not just to preach and proclaim uh, freedom for the prisoners, but to actually kick in prison doors and set us free. How did Jesus do that? He did that by giving his life as the key to opening those prison doors. Jesus died on a cross. He absorbed our eternal death sentence, the one we face because of sin. And he took on our sin judgment. When he died in our, in our place, he died once for all. So anyone who believes in Jesus by faith is forgiven. But Jesus didn't just die. He rose from the dead. And in his resurrection, he set the prisoners free. He, he broke us free or set us free from the chains that control us. He broke open the prison door of death itself so that now you and I know that life doesn't end in death. Death ends in forever life. In essence, death becomes a gateway out of prison into forever life in relationship with God in the paradise of heaven. So when we believe in Jesus, we are changed and transformed. And through Jesus, we have the authority to begin to live free. Jesus, when he meets this, you know, imagine he's in the synagogue, people hear him speaking, and they're like, this guy's different. There's authority when he speaks, and and that authority scared the demons, and they begin to shriek and yell at him, and Jesus goes, this is what it says, right, in verse 35, it says, Jesus goes, be quiet, and he said it with the voice of like a father correcting a child, come out of him. And it says that, you know, the demons came out. The point is that Jesus had the authority and the power to set that man free. And you can be set free in Jesus' authority. Whatever whatever chains are on your life, whatever prison cell you find yourself in, whatever addictions are controlling you, whatever thought patterns are limiting your life, whatever emotions have got you tied down and maybe got you tied up in knots, Jesus has the authority to set you free. You can be set free in Jesus' authority. When you believe in Jesus by faith, prison doors are opened in your life. 
I, I, anytime I've spoken about addictions, and obviously now for five years going in one way or another, I have spoken about addictions. So if you've been around Lifehouse for a while, you've probably heard something at least like this said. And so I felt like I needed to clarify why it is that when I speak about addictions, there's certain things I'm always going to say. And it's because I recognize the nuanced complexities of addictions. And I am not blaming someone for having an addiction. I am not saying that, you know, you just made bad choices and that's how you got where you got, um, I realize that there's complexity to it, right? I'm also not letting anyone off the hook. Here's what I would say. When I, when I talk about it being spiritual, I'm saying the root pain is a spiritual pain that every one of us feel. Every one of us have a spiritual trap and that spreads or that, that trap creates other traps. So even if you break free from one addiction, you'll replace it with another. Some of you have experienced that, right? Because at the core, if you don't treat the roots, you're gonna get bad fruit, whatever that fruit looks like, right? So I'm not pointing at the addictions. I'm saying at the root, there is this spiritual crisis. But once you treat the spiritual roots, right, through faith in Jesus Christ, I don't want you to think that this is some overly simplistic solution to a complex problem where I'm just saying, oh, all you gotta do is believe in Jesus and your life will be completely better. Everything will get better, right? Some of you would roll your eyes and be like, yeah, that, doesn't, that sounds like a little bit too much of a quick fix. And I agree with you. Why? I want to challenge you. Now, here's what I'm, what I'm saying. I'm, I'm not just saying for you to hear. I hope that you get it in you. So if you're talking with someone else about addictions, you have the words and the way to speak about this wisely. So we're not saying that sin is, is like someone is sinning and that's what's causing their addiction. What we're saying is that at the core of every one of us, sin is causing us to live trapped. And that, that produces fruit in a lot of other ways. You with me so far? Okay, that's number one. Number two is we're also not saying that when you believe in Jesus by faith or living out your faith, that's the only step in recovery. We are saying it that it's the most important and first step in recovery. In fact, it may not even be the first step because you might have to detox before you can even hear the words of the good news of God's love and respond to it, right? But it is, it is a it is the most essential step, and it may be the most important step on reco in recovery, but it is not the only step. In fact, I want to challenge you and encourage you, listen to this and remember it. Be very suspicious of anyone who offers simple solutions to complex problems. They're selling you something. And whatever their simple solution is, is what they're selling you. So if they say, take this drug, it will make you feel better. It, they're a pusher and they're selling you something. But you can go to the psychiatrist or you can go to a psychologist and they can prescribe you a drug and say, this will fix your problem. No, it won't. It'll make you feel better. It might balance the chemicals in your life, but it will not resolve the root crisis. So am I saying don't take the drugs? Oh, yes. But uh, not, I'm, not, I'm saying if you got prescribed something, I'm not saying don't take them. I'm not against that. I'm saying don't expect a simple solution to fix a complex problem. You should be highly suspicious of anyone who's offering simple solutions to complex problems, selling you something along the way. They're snake oil salesmen. So if the church comes along and says, here's a simple solution to a complex problem and it'll fix everything, you should raise an eyebrow and be very suspicious. 
I've watched plenty of churches and preachers who do that. This isn't me calling out anyone in particular, but I can tell you that like, you don't just need more faith and it'll fix all of your problems. You don't need to read someone's book and it'll fix all of your problems. No, it won't. Because believing in Jesus and living the life of Jesus is the most important step and a critical step in a recovery process, whatever you need to recover from, whatever trap you need to get out of. But there are critical steps along the way to help get you there because this is a holistic approach to your well-being and health. And you gotta treat mind, emotions, body, and spirit. And so if you go to a psychiatrist, a psychologist, a counselor, and they offer you a one-size-fits-all, quick-fix answer, snake oil salesman. If a doctor is offering a medical solution to a complex problem, snake oil salesman. I'm just saying to be cautious. Do you, you hear me? We should have a holistic approach. And so now... I recognize that I could be set free through Jesus' authority to, and, and so what does that mean, right? Jesus said to proclaim freedom for the prisoners. And that prison could be in your mind. It could be your emotions. It could be an addictions. But what Jesus is really getting at is that forgiveness sets us free from the root prison of sin. And when we are set free from the prison spiritually, it begins to spread freedom in every other aspect of our lives. Now that may require support, that may require accountability, that might require treatment, that might require getting into a program like Brooks House or Teen Challenge that has a holistic approach to recovery. It might mean you going to a counselor, it might mean you getting it, seeing a psychiatrist, whatever it is, there are other steps along the way, but it begins by recognizing that there is authority in Jesus for you to be set free where your life is freed from the chains that have controlled you and manipulated you. The prison doors are open and you can come out. You can be freed from your fears. You can be freed from your past. You can be freed from the things that are controlling you and manipulating you. Listen to this. Jesus says to the, the man, or he says to the demons, come out of, of them. And, and this is what it reads next. Then the demon threw the man down before them all and came out without injuring him. Now it's, um, Luke really takes note as he's interviewing different people, he recognized, he goes, wow, so the demon did something violent, like threw the man down, but the man was completely uninjured. This is important because he's contrasting it against the way often these kind of situations happened where there was like this big display of violence and like a rabbi would be there like fighting this person and people would leave those situations like bloodied and beat up. And, and the point was that people went, wow, Jesus has power and authority that there's not even a spiritual fight here. You don't have to be bloodied and beat up in order to be free from what is trapping you. When Jesus takes hold of your life and you believe in Jesus by faith and you invite God's spirit into your spirit, there doesn't have to be a violent process of you being healed and set free. God wants to transform form your life and free you. And no matter what violently is happening inside of you, God, there, there's like this note of like, you can get through this uninjured because you can begin to live free, right? God can, God can free you from and heal you from things that are holding you and controlling you and hurting you. And then he could set you on a course where your life is changed. Jesus sets us free 
to live free. This man was set up to live in his freedom. He didn't, he didn't come out of that moment dazed and battered and bloodied in order to get some demon out of him. No, that would be a sign of something very unhealthy. But Jesus has the power and the authority to set him free so he can begin to live free. And that's the key. I want you to walk in this new freedom that Jesus offers you. And that freedom that comes through faith in Jesus Christ means that I recognize that Jesus paid the price for not only my prison doors to be open, but then he gives me the power to walk out of that prison and begin to live a new life. Now, you also have the power to just go right back in, don't you? And many do. But he gives his Holy Spirit to you to empower you to make right choices. Previously, you weren't making right choices because you and I were trapped. But when we've been set free, now we have the power to choose what is right or wrong, and you have the choice to choose what is best and right. That means he proclaims freedom for the prisoner. It's not just opening the door, but inviting you to live a new prison-free life, which some of you recognize is harder than it sounds. Because if you've grown up in prison and all you know is prison, you act like a prisoner even when you're no longer in prison. So the Holy Spirit begins to change your life so you begin to live free now that you're set free, which means you have the freedom to choose right from wrong and the, and the Holy Spirit in you to guide you in choosing right and then living rightly. That's where accountability comes in. That's where holistic recovery programs come in. That's where having a good and godly counselor or advisors or a life group comes in where you can get the people around you that help you begin to live a lifestyle that is living free now that you're set free. He doesn't just give you the freedom to choose what is right and do what is right. He gives you the freedom to actually have a future. The very next verse, when it says Jesus read the passage, it said to proclaim freedom to the prisoners. Then he continues to read it. And in our translation, it says, and recovery of sight to the blind. Now, remember that the New Testament of the Bible was originally, Luke wrote it originally in Greek. So some of you read it and you're like, well, this sounds like Greek to me. Sorry. That was a dad joke. It didn't even, it didn't even work. Um, but Luke writes it in Greek and then it gets translated into English. So when this gets translated, we translate it as um, proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind. But that's not actually the way it really reads. The way it really reads is something more like and give sight to those blinded by the prison, by the darkness that comes from prison. Something more like that, okay? Meaning... I'm gonna, I've come to set the prisoner free. And when, when they were living in prison, they were trapped in like a dungeon of darkness, but I've come to give them light so they can see for the very first time. Now that feels relevant, doesn't it? Because if you've been trapped in whatever you've been trapped in, you know that it limits your sight. You only see what's immediately in front of you. You can only see today and your next fix or how to meet that desire or how to get what you want. But when you've been set free, you begin to live free and you're able to see tomorrow. You begin to see a future. You begin to have the foresight to look ahead to where God is calling you. You are set free and you begin to live free when you start to live for tomorrow, not today. You start to live for a preferred future rather than instant gratification. You start to live free when you begin to live for a far off future, for eternity. You're free to live free for eternity. 
which means you're not focused on what you can get out of life today. You're focused on how you can live your life for tomorrow and the next day, but more than that, for forever. You have the freedom to live forever and for eternity. And you have the freedom to love others. Up to this point, right, when you're trapped, it's, you're, you're trapped in yourself. And as Jesus begins to heal you and set you free and you're, you're out of the prison cell, you can begin to live a life focused on caring for others and meeting the needs of others, not just looking out for yourself. Jesus wants you to live free. Now, hopefully what I've done is I've laid out for you a case of how Jesus' authority can become your authority, meaning he wants to give you the authority that he has to be free from whatever you're trapped in. But you gotta walk in that freedom. He's gonna set you free so you can live free. So can I encourage you? I wanna, in just a moment, I wanna pray over all of us. I believe that freedom that comes through faith in Jesus Christ and the authority Jesus has, has the power to change your life. Has, those of you joining us online, it has the power to change your life, has the power to transform our city and this region. So I'm gonna pray that over you, but before I do, would you just close your eyes for a second? I wanna give an invitation for you. I believe that there's some of you that are hearing this, that you're, you need to take that first step that I talked about that first step of saying this begins at a spiritual level. I don't wanna just deal with the symptom fruits. I wanna get under the surface and deal with the roots. And so you're ready to say yes to Jesus by faith. And if that's where you're at, would you let someone know? You're ready to believe in Jesus by faith, accept new life through faith in Jesus. And if that's you, would you just raise your hand high? We, we want everyone to close their eyes because we wanna give you space to keep this personal and private. Raise your hand high. We're, one of our leaders is just gonna put a card in your hand and we're gonna encourage you to fill that card out and then drop it in the giving boxes or bring it out to Next Step so that we can, a pastor could follow up with you as you begin this new journey of relationship with God. So if you could, just keep your hand up high just for another moment. We're gonna get to you real quick. Um, and so here's what I wanna do. I'm gonna pray over you. Again, those of you who have your hands up, just keep them up for a moment. You're saying yes to Jesus by faith. Now I wanna pray over all of you that you experience that freedom that comes through faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus, thank you. Thank you that you didn't leave us trapped in spiritual um, sin that's destroying us forever. But God, you came to set us free, to break us free, to, to free us from the prison of sin. And when we're op that those prison doors are open, we can step into newness of life and change life that affects not just our spiritual well-being, it affects our thinking, it affects our emotions, it affects our desires. So God, would we begin to live free because you set us free? And would that freedom spread from this moment would it spread online to those joining us in their home or behind a device, wherever they are? Would it transform their neighborhood? Would it change our city and their cities? In Jesus' name, amen. Man, I hope that I've given you some tools. I hope that you've received not just inspiration, but there's some transformation brewing inside of you. So I wanna show you, we're gonna take a moment and hear a little bit more of Naomi's story, how God can do what only God can do. So check this out. I was in the middle of a dark alley at three, four o'clock in the morning and a stranger had Narcaned me and woke me up. And then like a week later, I was arrested for violation of probation because I didn't go to court. 
And of course, I was so mad at first. Um, I didn't want to be there. I was going through horrible withdrawal. But you know, once you start to sober up a little bit and the, the toxins get out of your body, you start to think more clearly. And I started picking up my Bible, and I had a lot of self-reflection on why I was living the way I was living. And it was because a lot of the shame and the guilt and the embarrassment that I was carrying around, um, I regretted a lot of things that I did, and I thought I was a bad person for them. And now I understand I just made bad choices. One day, the Holy Spirit spoke to me, and he said, what makes you think that your transgressions are more powerful than my power to forgive? And I felt like I was offending God to hold on to this burden when he died on the cross to save me from my sins. So I had to learn to let it go. Once I realized that, um, I went to court and the judge gave me my backup time. So I sat in there for four months and in that time, I was able to enroll in the uh, JSAP program. It's a jail substance abuse program. One day, just completely out of the ordinary for me, um, I went to the director and I was like, I think I need a long-term treatment facility because if I go home, I'm gonna go back to the same people, places, things. And I was in addiction for, I used for 27 years. I knew nothing else. And she said, well, why don't you apply for Brooks House? I was like, okay. And um, it was literally like maybe two weeks before I was being released. And she called me into the office and she told me I got accepted to Brooks House. And I started crying because that was like the first glimmer of hope that I had seen that, you know, maybe there was something better for me. Because I had accepted that I was gonna be a drug addict for the rest of my life. God had led me, he directed me to a path of people that believed in me, encouraged me, supported me and gave me all the necessary tools that I needed to dig myself out of the grave, which I had dug for myself. I was accepted and I was treated like a human being. Uh, October 22nd, I'll have three years. Like I'm a miracle to be sitting here, you know, despite, despite my self-destruction, uh, God had a higher purpose for me. Recovery is possible. There is hope. I am proud to say I'm a part of this community. And now, like, I can contribute to that and be, you know, what do they call that? A productive member of society. I'm, like, no longer part of the problem, but I'm part of the solution. Thank you for listening to audio from Lifehouse Church. We believe that through Christ, life change happens here. So we invite you to connect with us further by visiting lifehousechurch.org.